Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Judging Nerd Culture. I'm Ollie. And I'm Jess. And for the spooky season, we're here to talk about the most terrifying thing on Netflix right now, a teen drama. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> strap in. It's delightful. Um, uh, <laughs> we have also, for our YouTube viewers, um, <laughs> decorated our little desk that we have to try and... Make it a little more spooky for the spooky season. Um, this will continue until late December because the spooky season should extend until the new year. It's always spooky season for me. Hell yeah. So um, <laughs> even though we have this spooky decor on the, the desk, behind us is still pretty unspooky. But I mean, unless, unless you consider equality <laughs> pretty spooky. Um uh. To be fair, that was one of the best villains yes. in all I, You of... can't see it very well. Would you like to tell folks what, what we're talking about? Yes, I have a little poster of uh, Amon from uh, Avatar Korra Bending. That's not the name. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the name. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the newest uh, Last Airbender series. And without a doubt, the the best villain. <laughs> like, the lady that comes after him is super cool, but he I, his whole revolution, but I'm lying to everybody, shtick. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, but the bad guys are always, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, you, you want to root for them a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, it depends on, sometimes it depends, but if they do a good job, sometimes you feel bad for them or like, agree to something like yeah you know you're not wrong yeah, well, but <laughs> like uh like what's his face warmonger in black panther he he was correct though i mean he wanted genocide that's bad but was he wrong <laughs> genocide for the right reasons it's okay uh, um no, but no that, that's what i'm talking about like clearly bad yes bad bad yes. things bad choices understandable <laughs> motives but you know me I love a trash character. Um, <laughs> Which is, is that why you like everyone in this show? Yeah. I don't <laughs> like everyone, but we'll, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll get to we'll, that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, All right. I got my notes. You, why are you going to hurt their ears? I'll fix it. All right. Are you ready to get into Daybreak? Daybreak. Yeah, let's All do right. it. So, starting off... Um, it, we were just sitting down for dinner, and we're like, hey, this is a new thing. It looks fun. So we started watching it, and it seemed like it was going to be more of like a goofy spoof on teenager, like teenage shows and mm -hmm. um, zombie horror type of deal. Yeah, it seemed like it was basically trying to mash together a ton of, like, overused genres and tropes and silly things to... Yes. To just throw something on the wall and see what happens. And uh, it, it, it was that, but it was somehow a little bit more? Yeah. Um, the first three episodes <clears throat> are pretty tame and pretty uh, what you would expect from um, Netflix trying to do a teen comedy. Um, it did have, <laughs> a zombie teen it comedy. It did have some humor that maybe only some people would get, I guess, or mm -hmm. only some people would think is funny. But after, like, three episodes or so, it actually gets kind of sad and depressing and yeah. has meaning and an actual good plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like the first three episodes, they're like, all right, let's, 
<laughs> let's appeal to the lowest common denominator. And then once they're hooked, we'll just do whatever yeah, we want. Yeah, it's like, let's hook in these teens because it's a teen show. Mm-hmm. And then slowly over time, teach them about, I don't know, issues and tell them it's okay to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's actually really interesting because like the... It seems like the jokes are appealing to someone that doesn't <laughs> exist in the first few episodes, because it's about it's 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 characters who are very much millennials, if not younger. They're probably Gen Z or whatever in in this particular setting, yeah. and they they very much abide by the kind of caricature archetype of what a Gen Z character is, yeah. with all of the like ah here are my allergies, here are my like. Things you can and can't say to me, blah blah blah. All the all the stuff that people make fun of. Yeah. Which they they are <laughs> they are high schoolers now. Yes, and the jokes they were making though felt like they were jokes that I would have heard back in my high school years, which are not equivalent. Well, you know, high school humor doesn't really ever change. There's still the poop jokes, the fart jokes, the the penis jokes. Like <laughs> I it's... guess. It's never ending. Yeah, I suppose so. It's just it just felt like I don't know. I didn't expect if this is if this genuinely is targeting the the high schoolers of now. Yes. And this is the kind of comedy that does hook them in. Like I would love to see what the demographic data is on who's most watching. But if if it if it is hooking them, I'm honestly a little surprised because like this is <clears throat> I don't know. Not exactly the kind of humor that I would have expected to to be in line with what's going on with like the world right now. There is a lot of humor just at the things that is stereotypical of millennials and Gen Z and so on and so forth. Like ah, here we're making fun of you for being sensitive or yeah, this or for that. for you uh, making a video on YouTube, like yeah, for like ah, oh, you guys are soft boys. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be doing whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're gamer bros. Yeah, or, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of humor that's like antagonizing what seems to be the demographic that it would be like going towards. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird. Well, maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe the demographic is us. I have maybe. maybe they they meant for it to be us <laughs> because a lot of the I mean it's gotten better uh in 2019, but a lot of TV shows and movies that have to do with teenagers, a lot of times the actors will be 42? 20, 30, 50, you know. <laughs> do you look young? That's good enough. You're a child. Let's go. Okay, so do you want to break down the plot? Do you want to talk about some of the characters a little? I think we could do uh, a more laid-back overview of the plot uh, in that it, who it focuses on and what their goal is. Okay, okay, yeah. So uh, we start off with uh, Josh. Josh. Yes. McBlandy Bland. Seemingly the the main character, the the hero. Yes. The one who his story is kind of the story that makes everything continue, like keeps the train going. Yeah. Throughout different episodes, different characters do get the limelight. They are the main characters of their own episodes yes. for some amount of but time. But you know, in the background. Well, yes, it's Josh's story that connects all of their stories together. And that's kind of what makes him the protagonist of the story, just because he links their stories together. But all of the characters are equally as flushed out, if not far more flushed out than Josh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's just such a 
stereotypical teenager, which is, it's refreshing a lot of times in TV shows, and I feel like a lot of times in Netflix, maybe they make the teenagers, especially in like CW, they make the, the teenagers <laughs> much more mature than really they should be, especially emotionally and like... Yeah, or just the physicality, mm-hmm. like they, they look like, you know, teenagers, maybe... Yeah young 20s at most while some, some teens can look yeah that like old. have you seen the picture of the rock when he was 16 he looked like a 30 year old man yeah but he's a he's a unique case <laughs> <laughs> when i was in high school i looked like i was in sixth grade <laughs> but what i'm saying is like there is some <laughs> variety to play with here but the cw tends to be like yeah i don't we don't care what this character's age actually is or who this actor's age actually is this is a supermodel. They're an actor now. Yes. And that's uh, <laughs> fine. Like, I love the CW with a bloody passion because I love trash. Yeah. But. But they don't They don't really act like teenagers. No. But in this, they act like teenagers. Yeah. And Josh is, he's Canadian. That doesn't have really have anything to do with anything. But he uh, likes to let people know. It makes him boring. No, I'm kidding. Well, they. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Canada. They um mentioned he's canadian because he's like really good at hunting really good at trapping he can install solar panels he can he can um make drinkable water out of his urine which he says is grosser than it sounds which makes me think he's not doing it right because it shouldn't be which um like halfway through the series when he said he mentioned it again and he said it was grosser than it sounded i realized he'd like, he'd been saying it that way. Because I have been hearing... It's not, it's, as, gross it's as, not as gross as it sounds. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, no, quite, I, yeah, quite the opposite. I realized, oh, he's probably not... <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's, a, he's a good character. He's not very complex. He's not mm-hmm. very deep. Like, he's got some baggage. But it's not anything yeah. you're not used to seeing in a TV show or a movie or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the issues that I have with Josh's story, which is, again, let's get let's actually talk about it because we haven't said what his story is about. His story is he's new to the area before the zombie started. And then while he's in the area, he starts to fall for Sam Dean, a lovely girl in his yeah, school. We'll who, talk about her yeah. in, in a second. Yeah. Her whole thing is just she helps people. That's pretty much it. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he starts to fall for her, and they have some sort of relationship, and it's, um, I don't know, the apex of teen, like... Of teen... Like, goals. Coming of age, like... (laughs) Yeah. It's what you would expect in in a real good romance teen flick. Yes. And uh, that, you know, goals awry eventually, but that's not really the point. The point is... He uh, is gonna try to f- give her his his love and affections when the nuclear bombs dropped, and then instead of killing off all the teenagers somehow, it just left them fine, alive, and good to go, and turned all the adults into zombies. Yeah, they're all zombos now, or ghoulies, as I like to call them. <laughs> Which can we talk about the ghoulies real quick? Sure. How they uh, <laughs> have their own. <laughs> character line yes so i've never thought that this would be something like that really pulled me in with the zombie mythos but the idea of a zombie just repeating like its most common phrase over and over and over again is actually wonderful and it's not something i didn't know i wanted but i did and i need it forever now Um, i want this in the walking dead (laughs) 
There was one that was like keto diet, schmido diet. I'm taking a cheat day. Or 40% off Lululemon. Like it was hilarious. And it's something new and you didn't expect. So. Yeah, it, it was wonderful. Uh, I I would love to actually find someday a list of them and just, <laughs> and just decide which one's gonna be my zombie my zombie line. Well, what do you think you say the most currently? Yeah. Ah, uh, fuck. So that's your zombie. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna walk yeah. around. Uh, let us know what your phrase would be. What's what's the phrase you say the most currently? If you if you died right now and were a zombie and you had to repeat that one liner, what would it be? <laughs> I'm just going to walk around all day saying, fuck, fuck. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> I have an exam tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to be trapped there forever. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 it brings a lot of levity to the to the ghoulies, to the zombies. But it's also just like they're still zombies. They're still intimidating as a force to have. But it just makes them far more entertaining to see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Josh gets uh, separated from his girlfriend, Sam Dean, during these explosions. <clears throat> and the rest of this story is him trying to find his girlfriend. Yes. Um, she leaves him a post-it note at his apartment that says, where are you? And so this makes him think, um, not, not only does he want to find her, he needs to find her because she is needs him. Yeah, she's in trouble or something's going on. And, uh... You, you start off the story with, like, seeing his apartment that's just stocked with shit. Like, he's been working hard to make sure he's doing all right in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Which is impressive. Yeah. He's got a lot of stuff in there. He's so, got, like, 12 games of Catan he doesn't even need. He no just one, has them. Yeah. That's 12 more than you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's, he's got an impressive setup. He's He's doing a surprisingly good job of just winning in the apocalypse yeah. not dying successfully gathering all these resources uh he's been mostly a loner trying to avoid other people looking only for sam dean which is the first and pretty much the consistent downfall of him it's just i only need this person yeah like what the fuck he, are you doing he doesn't dude? really care about anybody else he's willing <laughs> once he does find a group eventually he's willing to just leave them He's willing to throw them to the side so that he can focus on Sam. Yeah, and the entire time, like, as viewers, we're watching, like, ah, this is his tragic downfall. He needs to stop being this guy and be like, friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the story of friendship. <laughs> the power of friendship. Damn, it's another one. Got a big pen so I can scribble off um, my notes as we go. Nice. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, there's not a whole lot else to really say about Josh other than when we get to the ending, and I think we should have a little time for the ending itself. Yeah. I um, agree. Uh, do you want to talk about Sam since? Um, sure. So that's who he's trying to save. He's trying to save Sam. Let's talk about Sam. Dean. What are your, What are your thoughts on Sam? I didn't really care until the very end. Until the very end. Pretty he, much. I. I kind of liked Josh because he was just so average. Um, in the end, I wasn't too keen on him. I still didn't want like, anything bad to happen to yeah. him. Um, Sam, however, 
I honestly didn't really care <laughs> if she if he found her alive or not. Uh, she <clears throat> just didn't really leave a good impression on me. Just because she seemed very, hmm, like she was also kind of your stereotypical teenage girl. But like the but perfect was, girl yeah, kind of dealio. Well, yeah, and she was trying to be, I'm sorry, I keep clicking the pen. Um, <laughs> she was trying to be more mature than she was, which I know a lot of teen girls do. But in the show made it seem really like, I don't know, it just made me not like her. Yeah, like her character without a doubt was held <clears throat> as they as the more she's better than everyone else yes. sort of thing. And she ex- she expected so much out of Josh and I just kept telling the TV like he's a teenage boy Sam. <laughs> you can't expect him to do these things. You can't expect him to be, you know, perfect like you want. Mhm. Yeah, and she has this entire story about which this is probably the most the one thing that resonated most with me. It's like ah She's the most popular girl in school, and she has a bunch of Instagram followers and digital media followers because of some dumb viral video she made mm-hmm. where everyone was like, oh, she's the coolest, whatever. But her whole stick was like, man, I have a bunch of, like, internet fame, uh, but I... And people like me at school because I'm nice. But, like, I don't really like anyone or, like, no yeah. one... But no one really gets me, man. Yeah. No one really knows me. I'm so lonely even though I have all these friends. Mm-hmm. And like, even though that's like, it can come off pretty annoying if the writing is wrong, and a couple times it didn't, the writing wasn't the best. Yeah. But in general, I think that's the most appealing part of her character. Just like, all right, I did a thing. It was hopefully gonna make everything great. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it can um tie into real life how a lot of kids and adults <laughs> we're doing it too right now um <laughs> uh, make. A bunch of stuff like whether it's YouTube or Instagram or TikTok um, <laughs> to try and There's be some... popular and be noticed and to maybe make something out of it because whether it's a creative outlet or it's just something they like to do and they want to be famous, mm-hmm. um, they do it and then maybe it doesn't pan out the way they want or it pans out but they're still they still feel bad because. They don't have the real friendships that they wanted. They're just watery connections over the internet. So, yeah. And this is not connected to the TV show or anything like that. But this is a genuine thing. Uh, there's more undiagnosed like depression in teenagers than anywhere else. Because teenagers also have just random, I hate myself and everything around me and I want to die. Because they're teenagers and they're going through wild hormonal shifts. So like a lot of times... That's just their normal gonna. That's like how they're gonna be, and it's just <clears throat> waiting until that passes. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of teenagers, it's not, and they're also just depressed. And they're gonna be that yeah. way later on. And having <laughs> this is a weird depression rant we're going on, ah. but having <laughs> having the anxiety and the the depression that you know more and more kids are starting to have, it doesn't help that you have the internet. Like you can use the internet as a resource to get help. But it's also like a black hole of negative comments and body shaming and a bunch of things that are going to make you feel bad. If you make that Instagram video or picture or make that YouTube video 
someone's bound to post on it something negative mm-hmm. and then you have to be prepared for that or you just like you're a teenager so you're gonna get depressed about it even if you don't mean to be it's still gonna get stuck in the, your head yeah because it's a weird thing no matter how many nice comments someone gives you how many people be like are like yeah this is great this is wonderful the comments that stick with you are like yeah that was horse shit you piece of shit yeah like that like, hurts and then like, when someone's you look like weird stop making these videos no yeah one likes them or versus hey that was pretty cool wonderful I'm gonna forget that in a week because someone said something mean to me. Yeah, and like I, it's not intentional. You're, gra- you're grateful that somebody said something nice. Yeah, and it pumps you up and it makes you feel really good about what you're doing. But then someone says your eyebrows aren't on fleek, and then you get real sad. Yeah, I mean it's bullshit because <laughs> they are. My eyebrows are great, but it's the negative comments hurt more than the positive ones help. And there's this weird draw towards the internet for people to sort of find validation and that's fine and that can work sometimes depending on the circuits that you you know work in on the internet but it can also be incredibly dangerous and harmful and it's it's a new era that we live in that is starting to become something that we just kind of accept instead Mm -hmm. of something that we try to figure out what the next step is yeah and we'll i don't know we'll see where it goes teenagers don't just have the negative impacts of there's positive ones, but they don't just have the negative impacts of the internet. They also have the negative impacts of everything else in the world that's happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just uh. everything. I don't want to get into it because that's not what this is about. But there's not a lot today. of things this is not that's today. happening <laughs> that teenagers uh. have a right to be stressed about and nobody's doing anything because, eh, this is a teenager. They don't know anything. But <laughs> the teenagers in day- Daybreak don't have to worry about global warming or uh guns or you know the internet because they had to worry about zombies Zombies. (laughs) you know what's wonderful while i was watching this show i was thinking to myself this is weirdly enough like even the characters bring it up a few times Mm -hmm. at the josh brings it up a number of times and at the very end it's brought up again they mentioned that the zombie apocalypse the nuclear zombie apocalypse was the best thing that ever happened to them yeah because it made them realize how strong they were yeah for one, it got rid of adults, mm-hmm. and two, it allowed them to take control of their lives. And I think that's a wonderful, like, sort of look at the psyche of actual teenagers now, where it's just like, well, the world is ruined, adults ruin it because we we just got here, we haven't done shit yet, mm-hmm. and they won't listen to us, and, so we can't help fix it. And like, what's better than what we're going towards right now? A literal apocalypse. Honestly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Honestly. Um, (laughs) but yeah, like, if, if, or when I have a child, I like to think, I don't know if this will actually happen, um, I like to think I will give them a lot of control over their life. Obviously, I want to be able to have some of that control so that they don't die, um, or, you know, turn into druggies or something, but <laughs> I want them to feel like they are a person and that they have their own opinions and I will listen to them without belittling them. Yeah, you want to give them autonomy. That's important. Yeah. But sometimes it's good for people to get angry. It's good for them to yeah, get mad because then they do something. It so. spurs you. Look at all the kids doing the the protests for the climate change and whatever's going on right now with uh with all these 
youthful uh, children going out there and doing something, saying something. They're not doing it because they're, you know, sad. They're doing it because they're fucking angry that they're going to die before they become the age of 50 because the world's going to go down. Yeah, and no one's listening. Fire you help it. They're not going to have polar bears? Rhinos? Pretty sure rhinos are dead already. They're not going to have, was it like silverback gorillas? Definitely not. They're not going to have, I think I already said giraffes, but they're not going to have giraffes. You didn't say giraffe, but you're not, they're not going to have giraffes. Some elephants they're not going to have. They're not going to have, maybe, probably, panda bears. I mean, to be fair, that's panda bears' own fault. They don't know how to fuck. <laughs> that's true. They're not going to have lions. The forests will be scorched. Yeah, no, it's... Nothing it's... will be the same, and everyone's going to die, and these kids are angry, and they want to do something about it. And everyone's like, ah, ah. <laughs> it's not real. Anyway, Anyways, we're getting a little too So heated. far off topic. We're getting a little heated, a little off topic, <laughs> a little political. We should uh, get back to the real things that matter. <laughs> yes, this TV show, Daybreak. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about before we got off on the so many tangents <laughs> that Sam Dean's major character arc is just her becoming a social media sensation and realizing... Yeah, this doesn't make me feel good. Mm-mm. And trying to be with Josh and having sort of not the interactions she wants with him, wanting more from him, or maybe just something different, but it doesn't really, it doesn't go the way things are supposed to in her mind. And it ends with, or at least their relationship, which I don't care about, you know, spoiling this part. Also, spoilers. <laughs> I feel like people know that. If, they, if you're coming to our channel... Or to our podcast, you're gonna know you're gonna get some spoilers. You yeah. are so bad at not spoiling things. I am, and this is a worst. podcast about spoiling things. Yeah, so... that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, Here we go. There we go. So yeah, the uh, the whole issue with them is that at one point or another they were going to have the sex and premarital. Woo! And this episode was. Oh my god, that was painful to watch. It was real awkward and uncomfortable. It looked... And it did a lot of flip-flops. Oh yeah. Like, they were mad at each other, then they were okay, then they were mad at each other, then they were okay, and then they were severely mad at each other. (laughs) Yes. And aside from, you know, the emotional flip-flopping, the actual uh, scenes with, like, any sex in it or whatever, supposed sex, it were incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. And not yeah. just because we were watching, you know, teens supposedly have sex, but because, like, it looked like it was one of their first times. It yeah. felt like it was a first time. Yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> if you've ever had, like, a real awkward first time, which... 89% have, of them are. <laughs> you have. Um, this sums it up, really. Yeah. Especially for Josh. <laughs> especially for Josh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they try to have their first encounter. And it doesn't go well, and Josh is sort of anxious, because it's definitely his first time, and it's clearly not Sam Dean's first time, Mm -hmm. which is fine and dandy, except for Josh. Yeah. Um, The viewers, I would hope, are fine with Sam being more experienced than Josh, but Josh is not okay with this, and (laughs) it starts to fester in his mind. And if you are a teenage boy, and you, you know, have this girl of your dreams, and you're a virgin and you want to make it special and then you find out afterwards that she maybe slept with like three other dudes you're gonna you know you're gonna get nervous 
yeah. that she is more experienced than you. You're going to get kind of embarrassed that she's more experienced than you. And you're going to start to not feel very good about yourself. Yeah, and, like, to some extent, I do get that. Like, I understand the, more or less the fear of, like, can I be what she needs? I don't know what I'm doing. She's being people who probably do know what they're doing. Blah, 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 blah. So, like, I get that. I get mm-hmm. that characterization of Josh in this in these scenes. But at the same time, part of me is so confused by the, I don't know, social climate that exists right now. Where everyone's surprisingly open about a lot of things, and that's wonderful. But then when something actually happens to an individual, they, despite having this mindset that they've spoken out about, because that's just kind of the, the mental like position of the world right now, they revert to a stage where I'm like, yeah, that looks more familiar. I've seen that in the mm-hmm. past. Yeah. And Well, I mean, just because you say something doesn't mean you really believe it. And... He's a he, like I said, he's a teenage boy, so he's going to try to be, and he's he's a good kid. He's trying to be a good person, so he's trying to be you know feminist. He's trying to be you know not non offensive. He's he's trying, but then once this thing happens, it makes it for him not as special because oh she was no virgin too and um. I was trying, you know, I waited so long to do this thing, and I don't know. It, I guess in a teenage boy's mind, that m- must mean, oh my god, I... <laughs> Every, everything, everything's wrong. Everything everything's failed. Everything's wrong. <laughs> the world is ending. Well, uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically the crux of this episode, and their ultimate relationship issues is she was more experienced than him in a variety mm-hmm. of things and it caused a weird rift with them in which he wanted this sort of security and she wanted something more. Yeah. And eventually and throughout this episode he keeps he finds a couple sticky notes from his mom that mm. says to call his dad. His mom works really long hours. She doesn't really get to see him, so all she can do is rely on post-it notes and like texting and calling him. Um so she Leaves, like, two, three post-it notes, and then she texts him, calls him two or three times. He's not answering because he's with Sam, and he's going through this uh, awful, god-awful trauma of her not being a virgin. And <laughs> and, and uh, finally, finally, after the first time they've made up and whatever, um, they doink. Sam, yeah, they doink, and Sam answers the phone because she's like, your mom's called twice and you haven't answered this isn't cool you're being mean so i'm gonna answer and she like jokes around that josh isn't available whatever and uh the mom is not joking around she needs to talk to josh so sam hands the phone to josh and he listens for a few seconds and then immediately starts getting dressed and just walks outside he leaves Mm -hmm. and this is when they're Again, this is where the roller coaster kind of. <laughs> yeah, this is the end of the roller again. coaster. Yes, and it definitely goes down <laughs> quick. Yes. Uh, he got the news that his father had passed away, and you find more out. You find out more about his father later on in the show about how he taught him all the survival stuff that he's used to survive until now. He was very close to his father, and then when he was forced to move by his mom, his dad didn't 
stop and ask him to stay or force him to stay or, or anything like that. He felt betrayed. He felt let go. He felt abandoned by his dad. And he starts to realize throughout the show that maybe he let he let Josh go because he was he knew he was dying and didn't want him to see him this way. So many things that he doesn't know the truth the truthful answer to because he's dead. But a lot of different ideas behind why his connection to his father was what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the flashback that we're seeing all this in, because most of this is a sort of parallel story of here's what's going on, here's what happened before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while he learns that about his dad, in the past we sort of see that the moment when his dad died, he it was soul-crushing for him. He just sort of, you know, broke a little bit, which is fine. It's fair. That's how kids react when their parents die. Like, that's yeah. a big fucking deal. And uh, he goes outside, and Sam Dean follows him to try and, you know, figure out what's going on and console him in some way. And she, I'm so, so sorry your dad died. She's trying to be very consoling. She's trying to comfort him and make sure he's okay, but he just starts blaming her. Yeah, he's and just like, like, if it wasn't for you, if you weren't such in a your skirt. <laughs> if you weren't such a slut and I wasn't so ready to fuck yeah, I would have, I don't know, talked to my dad before he died. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Josh. Like, I can understand. <laughs> You're making it hard to not be <laughs> upset with you yeah you try your dad's dead and i feel bad for you but you're also such a dick see i can understand at some level why he would be like he would project his feelings onto her because he spent the whole day with her and he just wanted to pay attention to her he gave all all of his attention to her all of his focus everything and in the end, it ended up not letting him have the chance to talk to his dad that one last time. Um, but he is just a twat, so. He's <laughs> just a twat. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, the emotional climax, essentially, to yeah. their little story. And also the primary reason that Josh is so dead set on finding Sam Dean. Because they the last time he saw her... They mm. had this argument. Yeah, the last time he saw her before the bomb dropped, he was a huge prick to her. And at this point, he's not, you know, upset about his dad. Well, he's still upset about his dad dying. But he's enough time has passed, you know, longer than an hour. So he realized, wow, that was awful. Yeah, I did a real bad thing. Hopefully when I find her, that'll make up for it with if I rescue her. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in his hunt to find her he passes by this church and he hears a female calling out for help and he thinks oh maybe this is sam maybe she needs my help he goes (laughs) in to find the gold team who are trying to become part of the jock tribe uh, which we'll we'll get to them in a second um but barry larry Terry. terry and gary I think there might be one more that I'm not remembering, but <laughs> but that's all I got Jerry? right now. Did you get Jerry? I did not. I think there was a Jerry. I think it was Jerry. I think there was a Jerry. I hate the golf team. <laughs> so, they're trying. They're trying so hard. But yeah, they're sort of just being dicks to some girl who's locked in a cage that she can't really see, and he's convinced to Sam, and he tries to fight them, and there's a lot of shenanigans that happens. He can't manage to cut through someone's hand. It's mm-hmm. all sorts of funny <laughs> 
shenanigans. And when he does save the girl, it turns out it's not Sam. It's Angelica. Yeah, this 12-year-old pyromaniac, uh, supposed massive genius. Yes. With a lot, a lot of insecurities. Oh, yeah. So he used to babysit her. Um, she sounded until, like the worst. Yeah, until she was, like, setting everything of his on fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she's a homeschooled, supposedly super genius. Her mom travels a lot, and <clears throat> when the bombs went off, her mom was hundreds. In a submarine? Yeah, in a submarine, hundreds of whatever meters. Leagues? Leagues, whatever. Under the ocean. I don't know. I'm not an ocean person. <laughs> How far in the sea is Ariel? I don't know. But that's where <laughs> Angelica's mom was. Um, and so she's got a lot of baggage about the, that, about her mom not being around to raise her and people always believing her and she, she wants to test them to see if they'll push back, to see if they care enough to do that. I'm not going to lie. I really, really connected with Angelica. Yeah. Her character motivation is like, I want to see if they care about me. <laughs> well, <laughs> Angelica, it, she's a good character. Yeah. She's really good. I think if you watch Daybreak, you're there's no way you can't like her. <laughs> Even though she's got all this crazy baggage going on, she's funny. She's, you know, she uses weird words like schmuck. Who uses that word? Not anymore. No one. Uh, she also just swears like a 12-year-old who thinks it's cool to swear does. Yes. <laughs> which is funny in its own right. Yes. Um, and he's kind of disappointed that it's Angelica and not Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're running away, they meet Wes. Or Wes. Wesley. Wesley. Uh, this guy is a freaking hoot in a riot. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> My... <laughs> Do you want to hear what my notes say? My notes say, Wes. And then it says, gay. gay. <laughs> Samurai, a sweetie, baggage. So much baggage. <laughs> so, the, it, it may have sounded reductive, but we were just, you know, yeah. her notes. But to be honest, that that is that is it. That's Wesley. <laughs> That's not, in a nutshell. <laughs> and it's not, you know, making fun of being gay or anything. No. It's... Just one of the factors that actually has to do with the plot. Yeah, and it's a major focus of his character is being a black gay guy and being finding a way to make his life not shitty. Yes, by being those things at the and same time. And also, it has a connection with Turbo, um, one of the main villains that he lasts. His villain reign lasts like half the season. Yeah. And then he becomes just kind of a nuisance mm-hmm. and not really the main guy. Um, Wes, Wesley, and Turbo have a relationship. Yeah, unhealthy, it, though mm, it may be. Very unhealthy, <laughs> but weirdly sentimental and like kind of beautiful. Like uh, uh, their relationship was far more enthralling than Sam Dean and Josh's. Yes. And like, don't get me wrong, bad relationship. <laughs> should Should definitely have ended. Uh, but it I had, I don't know, it was deeper. Yeah, there was a weird, real connection, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to give any support to it because it is toxic and dangerous, but it is also realistic in an interesting way. Yes, like Josh and Sam, I mean, it might be realistic for some people, uh, but Wesley and Turbo... They felt like they genuinely cared about each other, even though they had so many struggles. Whereas Josh and Sam, 
they had some struggles, and it just seemed like, eh, maybe they liked each other a little. Like, yeah. it, you didn't feel as bad about what happened to them as you do with Wesley and Turbo. Mm-hmm. I 100% agreed. So, uh, next we have Eli, another main character that I see you got right, written down right there. Yeah, I said, I said Eli, the best. Um, Tom Haverford, and then I'm not going <laughs> to say the last thing, because as a spoiler, I kind of don't want to give away. That's fair, that's fair. So... Eli is... He the, is Tom Haverford. He's, he's Tom of the Daybreak. So his entire shtick revolves around the fact that he... I don't know. Lies, I guess? <laughs> he's very sneaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, very clever. Actually really smart, even though he comes off as real dumb. I mean, he's an idiot, but he's a talented idiot. Yeah, that's true. He's an immigrant from Romania. Armenia. Arm- I was close. <laughs> from Armenia. <laughs> um, so he says in, in his flashback episode that he grew up in a very uh, money-conscious conscience, conscious? 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 Conscious. household <laughs> because they were, you know... They didn't buy the things that were unnecessary. Like, he mm-hmm. couldn't get the new Nikes. He couldn't get <laughs> real cool magic cars. He uh, he had to work for those at his aunt's hair salon. Mm-hmm. And he worked real hard. He did the things that other people didn't want to do. And he really did the nitty-gritty to, to earn his money so he could get just knock-off Nikes or knock-off uh, Jordans. Yeah. Which, what were, what were the <clears throat> uh, knock-off Nikes again? They were like pikes? Yeah, they were pikes. It <laughs> <laughs> had the fists. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's clever. Um, so, and then, yeah. What? Yeah. You go. What, what, me? All you right. Go. My go. turn. Go, go, um, go, 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 go. Hurry, go. <laughs> Eli, I found to be a holy grating character. <laughs> Any scene he's in, I was just like, dear God, someone punched this kid in the face. He's, he's my type of character. Oh, yeah. There's more your jam than mine. And don't get <laughs> me wrong. By the end, with his finale, like, moment, I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. Yeah. This is something. But up until then, I'm just like, dear God, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his whole backstory of, like, my, my family was uh, money-conscious money immigrants and... We didn't really have everything that I, you know, I wish I could have. I didn't have the stuff that my friends had, and so on and so forth. I 100% understand. I lived that backstory. Uh, the thing is, who cares? Yeah, they they made it seem real sad, and like to Eli, to Eli, it had a big effect. Um, however, it's it happens. It's something that you know happens, and. It happens all over the world. Yeah, and maybe I have some unresolved issues that I haven't dealt with. But, like, they're not that big compared to the grand scope of, well, there's an apocalypse now. Yes. He did (laughs) take over the entire mall by himself. Oh, yeah. That was... Which is impressive. That was pretty dope. He booby-trapped the hell out of it in the most Looney Tunes-esque ass way. Yeah, but he... he he booby trapped it. Added <laughs> boobies. <laughs> but uh, he's security. It's, it's his up until Wes and Angelica and Josh show up and steal his thunder and steal his home. Yes. And this is when he locks Angelica and Josh into a section of the mall with the witch. 
dun 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 my favorite character hands down <laughs> i've thought about it all on like since we've watched and she is my favorite for a while it was wes and then i'm like nope nope right here yeah here's miss crumble miss crumble is my favorite too um <laughs> So, so her name's not really Miss Crumble. Yeah, and she talks about it, but she never... She talks about it many times. Yeah. But never tells you what her real name is because she says that's a part of her life that's that dead now. you don't need to worry about because I'm Miss Crumble now. I yeah. have legally changed my name Got so to Crumble. This, so here's some of the juxtaposition in tone. Uh, the backstory for her Miss Crumble name is that apparently uh, she crumbled and cried one day in class and people started calling her miss crumble you know the teenagers were awful because teenagers are the worst no offense teenagers (laughs) (laughs) all of the offense (laughs) but you can say that you are one too (laughs) (laughs) but they were weren't just mean to her and calling her miss crumble they changed her information in the school's database and got some of the teachers to agree to call her Miss Crumble. Mm-hmm. People didn't know what her real name was. Her checks were made out to Miss Crumble. <clears throat> and she couldn't cash them until her name was legally Miss Crumble. So she legally changed her name to Miss Fucking Crumble. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so, so that's one uh, tone yes. that this show takes. Um, do you want to just tell her whole story? Yeah, okay. sure. Okay. We, this so, one's pretty short, honestly. Yeah. So... Um, back to the tone. This, this, the half, the first half of her story is, uh, one part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, like ha- the tone of the story, how it can be funny and kind of goofy and m- make ridiculous sense. Yeah, just absolute nonsense g- goofery. Yes. But then the second half of her story, which is just the story of a teacher who's desperate to help her students and mm-hmm. wants to yes. be. Because all she wants to do, she just wants to be needed by her kids. She's very lonely. Very lonely. And this loneliness leads her to sort of be taken advantage of by... The principal. The principal who's... That's not okay. That is her superior in like school and stuff and work. And it's a a, uh, clearly unhealthy relationship in Um, various ways. Really only using Principal Burr for the connection. She wants to feel that connection with someone. And he's using her for, you know, the the bonin. <laughs> I was gonna... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh... And when the, like, just before the bombs go off, they are arguing because she's found out that he's been using bribe money or blackmail money from different parents and students to fund different projects. And he's even taken the money for himself. And he's bought himself necklaces and clothes and trinkets and toys and whatever else. And she's not okay with this because she cares about the kids. She cares about the school and what happens. And he pushes her down the stairs. And it seems like an accident. But, I mean, he didn't tell anyone about it. He wasn't about to rush her to the hospital or anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Admittedly, the bombs did come just a little bit after that happened, but with the characterization later on, it seems clear that he would have left her for dead. And again, remember that beginning part where she was like, ah, 
I had to legally change my name to Miss Crumble in order to get my paychecks. Haha, <laughs> that's a comedy. That's funny. To I entered into an abusive relationship with someone who's my superior and has control over me because I'm lonely and desperate to feel affection from anyone. And now he's killed me. And now he might have killed me. And it's like, the fuck? Yes. <laughs> Throughout the, the series, she slowly remembers this because she has brain trauma from being pushed down the stairs. And possibly dead for a minute. And everyone thinks she's just crazy. Yeah. But she honestly just has a severe brain injury and also might be a little crazy because she was locked in the mall for so long by herself mm-hmm. and she's a ghoul. Yeah. So yeah, uh, she, despite being an adult uh, and having been turned into a ghoul, is far more aware than the other ones. She mm-hmm. doesn't just say one or two words. She can speak, even though sometimes she gets lost in her own imagination and speaks nonsense she can still communicate in this uh conscious being who decides i don't want to eat kids yes she's she's fighting these urges to eat the kids mm-hmm. she's been eating uh, rats and flies and maggots and anything she can find that's not a human <laughs> and it's, it's just a very i don't know sweet and kind of depressing story about a lady who wants to do her best mm-hmm. And it ends with her saving the goddamn day, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but her and Angelica have a very close relationship. Basically, mother-daughter. And it's it's clear this is what they both cl- deeply wanted. Mm-hmm. Not so much a mother-daughter thing, but she wanted a, a caretaker role. Yes. She wanted to take care of someone very deeply. And Angelica's that person to, to teach and to nurture into becoming the best person she could be and that's what crumble wanted meanwhile angelica needed that mother figure which a lot for a lot of kids the teachers are sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's i don't know it's it's one of the best relationships hands down yes those two were in the majority of the episodes and their scenes were just glorious yes um one of my favorite character traits of miss crumble is that (laughs) They call her the witch because she can do weird things. And there, there is a weird, there, there's a side plot where something weird is happening to her and adults that who are kind of like her, who are maybe a little more sentient. Yeah. Like Burr. Yes. They, they have physical mutations. At one point she like opens her jaw a foot wide and Josh just sticks his hand all the way into her stomach and pulls something out. No, keys. Keys, yeah. Um, but one of my favorite traits is that she says she can turn herself into mist. <laughs> and the first time she <laughs> she does this, she appears uh, out of like the, what is it called? The, the vents. The vents. And they're all like, oh, how'd you escape? And she says, I, can, I just turned myself into mist and I went under the doors and into the vents. And then she's like, see, watch, I'll do it again. And then she just kind of, like, moves around real awkward and, like, clunky-like and then runs into the elevator and falls down. Yep, runs full sprint into the wall. Yes. Um, passes out. But later on in the show, she yeah. might have actually been able to turn into mist. Yeah, it's the final climactic scene. And... <laughs> the 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 i don't know the the big issue is there's an, another nuclear bomb that's going to explode and someone needs to disarm it but they can't they can't figure out how to do it because they're all fucking kids and the smartest one there is literally 12 years old yeah. <laughs> and uh they decide well we can't do that because we don't know how but this says enter to launch 
So if we press it and send it far up, it'll explode and we won't die. But someone has to be here to press it, and this rocket shooting up, the fire will kill whoever's there. Yeah. So Miss Crumble, it's real sad. She's like, I'm gonna do this. And Jessica and cries. It's, it's a very uh, emotional scene. It's, I teared up a little. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was I was a little like, oh no, come on, she's the best. <laughs> uh, and it takes off, explodes, everyone's saved. The day is saved by Miss Crumble. Everyone's hugging and crying and, you know, rejoicing at the same time they're mourning the loss of this character. And then as the <laughs> screen sort of pans back, she's just there with them and they haven't paid attention to it. And she's like, oh, silly, I can turn myself into mist. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's great. I love Miss Crumble. It's good stuff. So um, this principal <laughs> that we were talking about who tried to kill Miss Crumble, <clears throat> his name is Principal Burr. Principal Burr. Who has been parading around the uh, uh, around Glendale, which is the town that we neglected to mention. Um, <laughs> yes. As Baron Triumph. Baron Triumph. I I think that's a fun name. It that's is a good, a good name. It's a good name. Very ominous. It's too bad it's a good name for such a bad person. <laughs> Uh, so Baron Triumph, uh, is one of the various factions that exist in Glendale. And we sort of alluded to a couple. The, he's not a faction. They, they sort of talk about him as if he's his own individual, like. I guess so. He does have an entire factory to himself. Yeah. He kind of runs that area. Exactly. Okay. So, everyone else is a, a conglomeration of kids from different social niches. Uh. Niche? Niche. Nietzsche's? Nietzsche's? Did you say Nietzsche's? <laughs> I may have said Nietzsche's. <laughs> How do you say it, guys? Nietzsche's or niche? What about niches? Niches. Niches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so there's a bunch of different kids from different social groups who cluster together. Farmers cluster with other farm boys and girls and make their own farm Four stuff. 4-H club. 4-H. I don't know what the H is for. I don't remember. I went to a high school and middle school that had a 4-H club. I don't remember what it stands for. <laughs> Who cares? Well, someone does, but I don't. So there's the 4-H's, there's the STEM club kids. The STEM punks. The there's, Kardashians. Yeah, you know, they have a very specific style and a very clear, this is who they were in high school sort of dealio. Uh, Mizans are somewhat important. They're just the cheerleaders or... The popular, powerful yeah. girls, basically. And uh, then there's the jocks, who seem to be the reigning heads of this area. The very Mad Max Inspired. aesthetic style, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's it, they're the ones in charge for the most part because they're the jocks, so they're the most physically capable. Turbo one. is, in fact, in charge of the jocks. Yeah. Well, Wesley came from the jocks. After experiencing something, he didn't appreciate, so he left. Mm -hmm. Which uh, apparently was... Uh, Inscrutable jealousy. Yes. Uh, Turbo murdered anyone he talked to for literally no reason. Yes. Uh, anyways, bad part relationship the, aside. Yeah, part of the unhealthy relationship, but continuing on. Yes. Uh, so he's the head of these people and all this stuff. And the, each of these factions has their own sort of area that they control. And everyone sort of has loose ties and relationships with one another. Except Baron Triumph, who they acknowledge is some sort of monstrous entity who... Excuse me. Who travels around and kidnaps children and takes them back to the factory 
the uh, cereal factory where they're caged and eventually eaten. Because Baron is a, a ghoul. He's a man. cannibal, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when you first find out that it's Burr, one, they were trying to pass off if it was going to be the big bully from the from the flashbacks. But no, it was Principal Burr, who for the longest time, for the first like four or five episodes, yeah, four or five episodes, was shown as like a... Such a good guy. Yeah, such a dedicated principal who yeah. always tried to help and cared deeply about all the Played students. Played by um, Matthew Broderick. Who is Ferris Bueller? Yeah. <laughs> so this Isn't is actually <laughs> just a continuation of Ferris Bueller. He had yeah. to change his name legally. There was a whole thing, but this is in the same universe. That is Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and uh, it starts off with him being basically the best principal ever, yeah. like the nicest guy. Tried to help everyone. Wanted trying to be to... hip with the kids. Yeah, a little fun, goofy, and a good person. And then as the show goes on, you realize most of that was self-serving. It was to find more money for the school so that he could have more money for himself. It was to keep himself safe from nut allergies. It was to better himself. And he quickly, near the end, started to become a character of just selfishness (laughs) and cruelty and uh blackmailed students and took bribes to change grades and all this sort of crappy shit until eventually ended with him possibly murdering miss crumble and in the apocalypse becoming a fucking child cannibal yeah and he doesn't even care no i do love that when he takes off all of the grunge mad max armor uh he puts on his cardigan is like oh i'm just here to eat a boy Hey, Josh. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> Very relaxed. I love that. Yeah. Well, they still act like I'm such a nice guy mm-hmm. uh, as he's preparing to cook and eat a boy. Yes. It's, so it's... He's, he's the major villain of the second half. Yeah, he's he's, he's the... the one who um, wants that the giant bomb to go off. Mm-hmm. So that he can get rid of Glenville because he decided it's just not good enough. Yes, he's um, he said, quote, uh, I'm the Jesus of the apocalypse. So <laughs> <laughs> that's your first sign. Probably not the best. So he's the he's the bad guy. He's the goal. They fight him a couple of different times <laughs> here and there. They got the best of him for a little while, but eventually he comes back. Uh, actually, because of Sam Dean and uh, Mona Lisa, which is a character we didn't really talk about, she's the right hand to Turbo, and seems like she's going to be the right hand to. Baron Triumph when he becomes the leader of the jocks because Turbo's going crazy, so they pulled them out of the yeah, prison. She's she's just the one who, if you're going to be lead of the jocks, you're going to have as your second hand because she is the strongest. Mm-hmm. She's the most powerful. Yeah. And her fucking vag smells like victory! It does. <laughs> she has this victory real smells good. <laughs> wonderful monologue. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's... it's uh, it's a plot of, well, this there's this bad guy. We need someone bigger and badder to take care of him. And then they pull him out and they're like, oh, nope, he is bigger and badder. This was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And then the children sort of uh, start to gather together to stop him under the direction of Josh and Sam Dean mostly. They find, their, they find each other again and they start going towards the, start putting together this plan to take, triumph down and to save glendale and whoever else is around and 
stop the whole child eating nonsense. Yes. And uh, it goes off well. Yeah. Um, they're worried that they don't have enough manpower to take down Baron Triumph and all of these jocks that he's got on his side. Uh, however, Josh says, we need an army. I'll give you an army. And he gets an army of ghoulies. Yeah. And it's a fun final scene. This is the the last episode. Yeah. Basically, uh, they summon up this army of ghouls with some fun music and lead them towards these guys. And they have a just balls-to-the-walls fight. <laughs> and there's plenty of comedy intermittent through all, all of this. Every scene, uh, there's always comedy a minute after, even in the saddest scenes. And... uh. It ends with Baron Triumph being defeated by Sam Dean and Josh, and they all work together to beat him using the knowledge of his nut allergy and his selfishness and so on and so forth. Uh, but before he dies, there is, uh, I'm going to say, a strange moment. Yes, and I feel like we can mention this because it gave us the impression that there will be a second season. Yeah. This and another little bit seem to be the second season cash grab that they're going for. Uh, before he dies, throughout the movie, throughout the show, there's been moments where him and Miss Frizzle have uh, these growths, these disgusting pustules on their backs that move and uh, undulate. I don't know. It's disgusting to look at. If you have that fear of like pores, this will be the most grotesque scene ever. And they they have these things on their backs. They look like maybe eggs or something. Who knows? They touch each other and their skin like goos together. It's well, also... I think that part was um, Bird doing that. I think he did that maybe, somehow. Maybe so. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not super clear on it. But clearly, they have something changing them in more ways than was already evident. And as he's laying there dying, he's like, ah, I'm not done yet. There's more to come, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he mentions that he they shouldn't worry about him. They should worry about what's coming after him, mm -hmm. what's coming next. There's something bigger and badder than him. And what comes next, at least in the scene, is uh, arm shoots up out of his stomach. Yeah. And I was expecting either, like, once I noticed it was the hand, I thought it was going to be an actual thing that it would crawl out of him. Yeah, I thought it was going to be, like, a more monstrous version of what he could look like. Yes, but it was just, it was, like, from the elbow up. Pretty much. And, um... It had kind of claw Yeah, it was like a demon-looking hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's it. It's just a hand sticking out of his stomach where his belly button would be. Yeah, that's where that storyline ends. He actually dies. Yeah. Giving the middle finger to Josh and Josh cuts it off uh, like he couldn't do at the very beginning of the show. <laughs> so it, it, it's a weird cliff, not a cliffhanger, but like, here's a thing that is going to keep happening probably because yeah. it's happening <laughs> to Miss Crumble. Yes, and we, we can't leave it here because then you're going to be wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to make sure there's a second season, uh, as the show is ending, everyone's safe. Miss Crumble's fine. Baron's dead. Turbo and Wes aren't trying to kill each other anymore. Everyone's happy. And Joss runs up to, to Sam and 
gives her a big old hug mm-hmm. and is like, hey, I found you. I saved you. Everything's great and wonderful. And I have for us this like little place set up. Everything's going to be perfect. We're going to have a happy life together. I love you so much. She's like, no. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, and it, she makes a quick twist and says, you know, I think the apocalypse is 100% the best thing that ever happened to me. And then declares herself the next leader of this area, sits upon Turbo's throne and summons up her jocks who just kneel. And it's clear and evident, season two, she's the bad guy. And I'm actually down for really? that. Really? You think she's the bad guy? Oh, 100%. I don't know if she's the bad guy. I think she's the bad guy. No, see... She's at the very least their enemy. Because it's going to be the mall, the mall guys and the jocks. It's going to be the two big factions. Well, I don't think she's going to be the bad guy. I think she's going to want to take over 100%. But I don't think she's going to be killing people or, like, doing anything like that. She she came off as, yes, now she has this power and she's going to lead. And you better probably follow her. Um, I don't know. I didn't get the feeling that she was going to intentionally do harm okay well we got very different readings of that ending then (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see in season two who's right my money is she goes ape shit starts killing i mean she might be like chaotic neutral chaotic good i'm gonna go chaotic neutral at the best (laughs) i think she's gonna be a very turbo-esque figure in the yeah let's have People singing on top of a ghoul box, and if they sing bad, we'll drop them in there and watch them die. I'm going to do crazy, evil things, but it's very polite and fun. It's like, <laughs> everybody likes me, blah, 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 blah. I think that's where she's going to go. I think that's where her character's going to be. A weirdly ominous and weirdly terrifying character who's this tiny, unintimidating girl. Possibly. But I guess we'll have to wait and see for the next season, which probably won't come out until next year because... We binge-watched it <laughs> in, like, two days. Um, three days? Because we had things to do. But, yeah, uh, but yeah that was that, that's Daybreak. That's Daybreak. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I do highly recommend it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, if you like horror, if you like comedy, if you just like a fun teen movie. There are a few moments early on where the humor maybe is a little raunchy in weird ways. Maybe it seems a little outdated, even. But that shifts drastically mm-hmm. afterwards. I feel like some of the humor is more towards the like socially conscious people, and like they would get it more. But then some of the humor is laughing at them. Yes. So it's it's a toss up. So overall, I think it you was might good. laugh, you might get offended. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> you'll have to wait and see. You'll have to watch it. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, Talk about it with us. Yeah. Let's have a little chat about whether you think uh, it was good enough to warrant some of the shittier jokes. Yeah. Let, let us know what you think about Sam. Is she going to be evil? Is she going to be a good leader? Yeah. Let's... Who knows? <laughs> let's put up a, a poll or something. Let's figure out who's right. I'm putting money down. She's going to be evil as heck. How much money? Two dollars. <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Remember to do all the, you know, Instagram, Twitter things. Follow us on at uh, Crypto Delta on Twitter and 
on Facebook at Delta Crypto Productions on Instagram and any other social media you can find us on. Just search those words. They're very unique. Any podcast catcher, we're out there. Give us five stars on uh, iTunes. Makes it a lot easier for us and for other people to find us. Mm -hmm. Gives us some good cred. Heck yeah. Also, we've recently started working, for lack of a better term, I suppose, with a podcast app called Himalaya. And their whole shtick is <laughs> that they try to connect listeners and the actual podcasters a little more uh, easily, a little more directly. So, for the longest time, it seems as though iTunes has been the place to leave reviews. But they are allowing people to have their own little review system. You can like and dislike different videos and episodes of everything. They have a means to directly put up bonus episodes and premium content, allowing people to support different shows in, a, in an easier, more direct way. And at this point, podcast apps are all pretty darn similar. Some have different functionalities in different ways, and what you like best depends on just your personal UI preference. But for the most part, they're pretty similar. And this whole trying to have the interaction a little better between the user and the listener, I think, puts them above the majority of other podcast apps. So give them a shot. Give them a try. And, uh... Yeah, yeah. and they uh, they have us on it. So, of course, they're kind of superior. <laughs> to anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. And I uh, hope you have a great day. Bye. We love you. <laughs> oh.